All right, and welcome back to another episode of Lions Guy Podcast, where we take on topics in performance and personal growth by exploring the success stories of our guests and the lessons they've learned. I also interview other subject matter experts on topics of performance and growth and review books and other resources to help us all establish clarity, build courage, and lead. I'm your host, Dale Walls. I'm the founder of Lions Guide. And on this episode, I've got Mike Malatesta, who is an entrepreneur, has in his helped start and grow two amazingly successful uh, waste management companies. And one sold for mid eight figures and the other sold for low nine figures. So Mike knows how hard it is to be an entrepreneur and what a long shot it can be to achieve the success and freedom that are usually entrepreneurial goals. And he also knows what it takes to get there. So Mike's a servant and, and also a selfish leader with a proven talent for developing exciting vision and mission initiatives, building the teamwork talent and systems necessary to realize those initiatives and executing with the team to deliver the desired results. And so on this episode, Mike and I talk about his story and starting and growing multiple companies and the lessons he learned about himself and, and doing business along the way. So if you like the sound of that, before we get started, hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content. If you've been listening to the podcast, podcast and enjoying it and getting some value. I feel it's a five-star rating. Hey, give us a review. Let us know what you're thinking. And uh, and aside from that, you know, this podcast is sponsored by Lions Guide. And if you've been tuning in and getting results from or getting value from the show, then do yourself a favor and go out to lionsguide.com and join our free member community called The Pride. It's no cost to you. You can get in and get access to all kinds of free exclusive content to include yet to be released episodes of the podcast, We've got a reading list. We do live virtual training events. Uh, I've got a private online group to engage with other growth-minded members and a whole lot more. So again, joining the Pride is free and I'm developing it all to help you break out of your rut and break through to the best version of yourself by helping you establish clarity, build your courage, and be the true leader of your life. So check it out now. Go to lionsguide.com and join today. With that said, let's start the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Lions Guy Podcast. And on today's episode, we have Mr. Mike Malatesta, right? Did I get it right, Mike? Nice, you did it. Nice, got it. Yeah, all right. The, uh, he is the host of How Did Happen Podcast. He's an entrepreneur, uh, which we're going to dive a lot into today. Uh, he's an advisor and the new author, a new author, right? This is your first book, Mike? That's right. Yeah, just yeah, came awesome. out. Yeah. Author of Ownership, How Getting Selfish Got Me Unstuck. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dale. It's a pleasure to be here. And I, I thank Craig Stanley for putting the two of us together. It's a great connection. Oh, yeah. I love, I love Craig. He, 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 man, he's got a great story, great episode uh, on the Lions Guy podcast when he came on. And yeah, I, I like Craig a lot. Um, so real quick, tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So I've been, uh, I'll give you the, the career part. And if you want to get into the other stuff, just let me know. But um, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 26. And uh, I, I I was really an accidental entrepreneur, although I feel like, you know, going back to when I was four years old, I, I lived ac- I lived across the street from a construction company. My parents did, and 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 in the afternoons I would sit on the on the curb out in front of our house, and I would watch the guys bring back their trucks, and I just really fell in love with with trucks and the name on the side of the truck and the noise and the diesel fuel, you know, diesel exhaust smell and the dust and everything. I just would sit there and just take it all in. And, and, um, 
And I think there may have been a seed planted in me uh, at, you know, on that curb, Dale, but, you know, life happens and I go to school and, you know, when I was in college, I, nobody in my fraternity or the people I was hanging out with were talking about owning a business or being an entrepreneur. I don't even know, I don't even know if I knew the word then. Um, it was all about getting a job, you know, getting a career. And so, um, what, between my junior and senior year in college, I got a job driving a garbage truck, which was a wonderful summer job. And I had no idea that it would lead to me having an interest in, in the waste industry, but it did. <clears throat> and, uh, I got started in the waste industry as a management trainee. And I, uh, I moved around a bunch of times in, in a five-year period. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I was moving up. I thought, well, maybe someday, you know, I could be the CEO of this company and, and, and that didn't turn out. That didn't work out. Instead, I got fired when I was 26. And so I became an entrepreneur kind of accidentally because I needed a job. I didn't know what else to do. I had this sort of very, very vague recollection of this, you know, and this love of trucks. Um, but then a, then, a, then a fella came along that I had worked with a little bit and he said, hey, um, you know, I don't know what you're planning to do, but if you want to start a business, I would love to be a partner with you. And I thought, what? You know, where is that coming from? You know, I'm just this guy who you barely know who was only working with you for a year or so and ends up getting walked out the door. Like, why would you come, you know, knocking on my door after that? And, um, but he did. And interestingly, Butch, his name was Butch and he'd been, a farmer most of his life. Farming is what he loved to do, but he had lost, you know, his family had lost the family farm. And, you know, so he ended up working at this place where I was. And I always think to myself, well, this guy came along and he knew just how to, you know, fertilize that little dormant seed that had been planted in me when I was four. And so we started, you know, just to, just to make a living, Dale. And fortunately, uh, over the course of 22 years with, with my first business, we, 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 we just, you know, kept growing slowly and surely and, and kept dealing our way through the problems and trying to do our best with the opportunities. And, um, and ultimately, um, I sold that business in 2015. So it was a long run from 1992 to 2000 or yeah, 1992 to 2015. And, um, and it was a good outcome for, for, for everybody. And, um, and then later, I was able to start another similar business with a private equity partner this time. And we, um, we had that business for three years. And a couple of months ago, we, we had the opportunity to sell that uh, for a good outcome for everyone. And, and we did that. And so um, that's sort of my <clears throat> entrepreneurial career. And along the way, I picked up podcasting and picked up uh, you know, the desire to write a book and, and some other things. And, and that's led me to you today. <laughs> yeah, it's a that's a full boat, man. And and like I was telling you in the the green room before we got started, you know, a uh, book just came out as of this recording. So I'm just getting into it. But I I fall in love with it already. It was like right away one of these books. Like I didn't want to put it down because you know you, you're you're taking us on a journey. Like right out of the gate, it's like start starting with you know when you're at four and watching the trucks and you like you feel it and it was great. So even even getting started on it this morning, I was like, man. I didn't want to put it down. I was like, but I got crap to do. So I'm looking forward to getting back through it and, and, and I'm going to let you spoil it for me throughout today. But, you know, 
when you were in, co- what were you going to college for? If not to start a business, what, what were you thinking you were going to do after college or did you know? No idea. Um, I, I went to college because you, you know, you're supposed to go to college at least my, so my parents never went to college. My older sister went to college. She was the first one. And then it was like, you know, it's kind of expected. And, and I didn't know what I, like, here's the story. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so after a semester, Dale, uh, I dropped out for the second semester because I'd been working at the parish cemetery in the summers, um, the whole time, except that summer I worked, uh, you know, for the, for the trash company and we were digging graves and cutting grass and, you know, lowering people into the ground and, you know, all of those things, setting up for funerals, taking them down. And, you know, I had, it's like I had some money in my pocket and all I was thinking about was, man, I don't really need this school thing. I just need some money in my pocket. And so I dropped out to, to work at the cemetery, which sounds crazy now, but, um, and, and I just got really lucky. Well, I, I should say the foreman at the cemetery was a guy that I thought was like kind of walked on water neighborhood guy. You know, he had the job as the foreman at the cemetery and he was just funny. And he was, you know, always telling us about his bar stories and his women's stories and all that <laughs> it was just, it's just a fun guy to be around when you're, you know, when you're still a teenager or yeah, yeah still a teenager. Right. Um, so, so I, I, I did that. And then, um, fortunately for me, I didn't find it fortunate at the time, but fortunately for me, at the end of uh, the semester, I worked through the summer, and the and the, the 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 person who ran the cemetery said, "Hey, you know, we just we don't have a full time position for the fall, uh, so I suggest you, you know, go back to school." <laughs> and uh, that's so. This, so that's what I did, but still had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I, you know, I had joined I joined a fraternity when I got back. Um, and then I got all wrapped up in doing all of the like animal house type stuff, Dale, that has nothing to do with going to school, but it's pretty fun when you're in a fraternity. And I was just, you know, getting fat, drunk and stupid. And, uh, it comes a time. Just did, is that, is that why, right? Like to go back to the question yeah. I asked, like, what, what were you going to school for? Yeah. Was a part of that? You didn't really have a clear vision for it. I so you just kind of went yeah, with the. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so thank you for getting me back to your question. Yes, I didn't know. And, um, when the time came, I think it's second semester, sophomore year, when you have to pick a major, I picked English because I did enjoy reading. I could write a little bit and I thought, how hard can this be? And so I, I, I graduated with an English degree, having no desire to, you know, teach or do some of the other things that people assume you're going to do when you get an English major. But in in retrospect, um, I did sort of turn my thing around. You know, I got serious about school when I was a, a junior. I graduated on time. Um, I I'm very thankful that I chose the English major because I feel like. What it did was it gave me a, it gave me a real ability to um, to think and to communicate uh, effectively, and um, that's not something that I see in tremendous volume these days. A lot of people can get by, but when they're asked to articulate or communicate an idea or a vision or whatever, uh, they struggle with it, and and uh, um, you know, I, I guess I struggle less with that 
than than a lot of others do. Yeah, I and I could relate to that even and I'll go back to your book that I was feeling that right away. And what I love, I mean, I'm a I'm an everyday reader. I read probably 40, 60 books a year depending on how long. And what I get what I get out of books is people is the articulation of stuff that's in my head sometimes. Like I love learning new things, but I also enjoy seeing some affirmations of how I feel or things I've experienced or whatever put into words and, and having been articulated. Um, I, I do enjoy that. And that's, that's what I, like, I, I was telling you earlier, kind of appreciated right out of the gate of your book, just, you know, cause you, you're real honest in it about like the, the, I'll say despair, but like, you know, the adversity of business and yeah. failing and, and success. So like I could feel that right away. And, and even the way you worded a couple of things and they were just really just, they just sing, you know? So it, it, like I say, it's already a joy just getting started. Well, thank you for that. And for some, from someone who reads as much as you do, that's, that's, that's uh, high praise. I'm very grateful. Thank you. I hope that continues as you make your way through the book. I hope I didn't come out really strong and then be like, Psh, right off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> so when when Butch uh, approached you about starting your own business, like why did you go with it? Like why did you end up starting your own business? And, and maybe was it also was it because of the reason you got fired? Like what's the what's a little bit of the the depth there? Well. Um, the why, why did we start? Because after, uh, after consideration and getting to know him a little bit better, as we were talking through things, it was the very best option available to me. Um, had no network, not none, none much to speak of. Cause I'd only lived in this, this was in, this was in, I still live in Wisconsin and this was in the, um, you know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. I'd only been here I, about a year before I was, I was let go. And so I had a very small network. It's like super small. And, but I knew one thing I knew about myself at the time, and he gave me the the confidence to really accept that I knew this was that, you know, I, I if I committed to something, I, you know, I, it was, I didn't think I could fail. Like, I didn't think I could fail at the job that I had. I thought I was doing a great job. And, um, and I think I was largely I was just, so, so, when he gave me that little bit of confidence after I was just really ashamed and and just unsure what to do and having very few options, it was one of those things that I was like, well, um, so all we have to do is, you know, hand over all of our money that we have and then uh, live with, you know, very modest uh, pay, hopefully, uh, for an unknown period of time and, you know, just do whatever needs to be done in order for us to make it a success. And those were, the, those were things that I could be okay with. And that's what I did. And what was, what were some of your big challenges in, in getting started? Right. So you, you weren't going to school for this. This was kind of dropped on you to a degree. I'm sure there's, there's, there was definitely more thought into it other than, Hey, let's LLC and get going. But right. what, what were some of these challenges that you, you you ran into getting started that that maybe you didn't see coming or yeah well i see i did i didn't know how to start a business obviously um i had had some experience where i had been working because i'd been moving around to different divisions and i'd been exposed to different parts of the business so i'd been you know i've been uh operations and and accounting and you know a little bit of sales and safety and some other things so i had like touched things. So I had 
I, I had some awareness of the things that we would need to, to do, but I had never, um, you know, pitched a bank and I had never written a business plan and I had never done any of that. So I went to um, this thing that the SBA puts on. It's called SCORE. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah. of it, but it's um, yeah. it's basically senior executives who volunteer their time to help, um, you know, people like me um, do those types of things, like put a business plan together, put a pro forma together, you know, pit, you know understand what you need to do to attract uh, funding and those kinds of things. And that was very helpful. So I did that. And that sort of gave me the um, more confidence and more structure to put something together. And and what was interesting was I was kind of on my own, me and my wife really during this time, because Butch, um, you know, had to keep working. He had, you know, he had, he was married, had four kids, had a house. I didn't have any, I was married, had a dog. That was it, you know. So, so he had to keep doing that. So it was kind of on me to, to um, you know, do all the stuff we needed to get it started, get it off the ground. Um, and once I had that uh, that help from from Score, I I just, you know, number one, we had to get funding, and so I put on the only suit that I had, and I went calling on banks in my neighborhood, um, and I pitched them on the idea and for whatever reason, one of them, I, I think I went to five, which doesn't sound like a lot these days, but there were very few banks back then, you know, it was kind of, it's, but um, I think I went to five and four I never heard from and one called me back and said yes. But they said yes, but we have to, you have to bring, you have to, you have to get $25,000 more equity into this or we can't do it. Well, neither of us had had that. So I uh, had to figure out how to get it. And that's, um, had never thought about having additional partners, Dale. Um, but we needed additional partners or some other way to get the money. And so um, I went and talked to the only person that I knew who I thought might have that kind of money. And um, his name was Chuck Kohlberg. And I, I ended up meeting with Chuck, uh, met with him a couple of times with some of his buddies. And... Uh, you know, they, they kind of put together a group of he and another who decided to split it and got us the money. And that was, so we had four partners then instead of two, or, you know, I had three partners instead of one, but I, I didn't care because I needed that. That was just another thing that, you know, I had to adapt to or shift to and, and, um, and we were able to get that going. And then, you know, so, so getting it off the ground or actually starting, I'd say I, my struggle probably wasn't any harder, worse than anybody else's. Now, you know, keeping it going, we, we definitely had our share of, uh, you know, problems, <laughs> challenges doing that. Um, but, but, you know, getting it started, that that's what I remember as being, you know, the experience. What do you, what would you tell someone today that's starting a business or thinking about starting a business? As it relates to partners, right? Because I've talked to young entrepreneurs and they talk about, oh, well, I'm going to ask Chuck to be my partner. And I start to ask a lot of questions around that. But what's what's some of your things you've learned or, or if you were talking to a young entrepreneur who was saying, hey, I'm going to go get a partner or whatever, like what are some things that you learned, right? Because you had a vision to have Butch mm -hmm. as your partner. Now you've got a third partner. What, right. what were some, some of the things that you learned there with regard to starting a business and, and what partners mean to a business? Well, I, I, I'll say first that 
I, I fell into a tremendous, tremendously uh, fortunate situation with my partners, Dale, because we we lasted together almost 20 years, even though Chuck and, and Larry were 15 years or so older than than me. So, you know, investing in a business and then sticking around for that long as a partner is not something you see all that often. Um, uh, so, so we had a great experience, but I've, you know, in, in my other, um, adventures, I've seen lots of partnerships, um, that, that haven't gone as well or as long as ours. And I find that, so for me, if you're going to like when you you listen to if you try to get like venture capital funding or whatever for example they always want you to have a co-founder right somebody else that comes along and they're basically hedging their bets on that right if you if you burn out or something we got somebody else that we can but for me in my experience i would say that um you cannot rush into a partnership decision and gosh don't don't rush into a 50-50 partnership decision. You know, when you're two, two buddies or two friends or two acquaintances, you know, really good acquaintances and, and, and you're talk like Butch and I put our business plan together essentially at his kitchen table, you know, while we were drinking, uh, you know, Miller High Life's. What, you know, so everything sounds Champagne good. Champagne a beer. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> everything sounds good when you're having those, comer- those, those conversations, but um, it's not unusual for that to be the best times you ever had together is those conversations. And so I'd just be really, really careful that you don't just like somebody, but that you know them. One, you know that you guys, you, you, you have complementary skill sets, for example, you know that one person is going to be in charge, not two people in charge. Um, and, and you have some idea of how this person actually works. You're not just friends with them. You know how they work and you know how they work under stressful situations. If you can get to that and you decide that the partnership is makes sense, I'd say do it because you'll probably get more benefit out of it than you would going it alone, but not 50-50. 50-50, just uh, like I said, somebody has to be in charge. Somebody has to make the decisions. And when you're 50-50, I can almost guarantee at some point, one of you is going to feel like you're doing more than 50. And as soon as that one person feels like they're doing more than 50, your, your partnership's in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. No. You agree with that or what's your, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I always like to say it's like a marriage, right? I mean, you know, you don't get married after the first date and and hopefully you're marrying for the right reasons. Right. And I, I feel like a partnership in business is very much the same. And it's very much a legal contract, just like a marriage is to a lot of yeah. degrees, right? Because, you know, if you fast forward and, and I guess, I guess this is the part too, that young entrepreneurs don't want to think about, which is if it doesn't work out, if things aren't going the way you're planning or hoping they will, well, just like a marriage, that's that there's going to be a divorce and you got to figure out, you know, so that's why I give it that level of severity because I think, you know, I think a lot, a lot of it has to do with courage, you know, and, and fears, fear of going out on your own and stuff like that with folks today have, who have great ideas and they go, and I'm going to ask Joe to be my partner. And I go, well, who's Joe? And well, he's my friend from whatever. And I've been talking to him about this. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. this is his idea too. Well, no, I just been telling him. And, and it's, and I feel that's like a fear, a fear of going it alone. And I, I, I always remind folks that kind of like, I hear that over the years, I go, look, you may need a partner, you may not. And you may need to ask yourself, do you need a partner or do you need resources? 
Um, and maybe you're looking for resources and you're looking for a partner to subsidize your courage and doing this alone or whatever the case may be. So, you know, there, there's a lot to it. And, and I just I bring it up um, because I wanted your perspective to just put it out there, because I think that's just low hanging fruit for people to like coddle their fears a little bit sometimes. Yeah, I, I think there, there's partnerships for right reasons. And I think there's partnerships for wrong reasons. That's a good point. I mean, fear is definitely there, right? If I have someone else, then the likelihood we're going to be successful is is higher. Um, it, the the thought behind that is, if I screw up, they'll be there to fix it. Well, mm, that's not always, uh, you know, that's that's not always there. So I so good point. You know, so to me is, I'd be like very very careful with a partner. One on the fifty fifty thing. Two on, do you have complementary skill sets where you're not going to be built you know, butting heads on the same types of things. And then three, do you actually need a partner or do you need an advisor? Do you need someone that can help you, a mentor you or something when you need it? Because advisors are a lot cheaper than partners um, and really easy to dis- disconnect from if uh, if things go sideways. Yes, exactly. And and that's it. And it, so it's just because I think, you know, and, and that's the other thing, too, when you're young and entrepreneurial and you talk a lot about this in your book, too, like you don't think you can fail. You, you just you see the end, you're going for it and you're just mm-hmm. not thinking about, well, if this goes wrong and, you know, I've, I've had a lot of partners along the way. I learned a lot about this area and I, too, found myself very fortunate. And look, we were married and we were we were a comedy of uh, we were a motley crew of sorts as well, and, and not, not to say that we didn't have our spats and all that, but I, I, I bring this part up to affirm what you're saying. We had complementary skills, right? When I yeah. picked up my partners, I, I did a merger of equals of a firm in New York. You know, I, I, I so it went from two partners, me and a Marine, my Marine Corps buddy. And we picked up this firm in New York, who was the president. It, they were they were also one was president, one was out managing accounts and everything, and. And we all came together and we we knew what our respective hats were and we would give counsel to the others, but we always respected who was wearing what hats, right? Like we were all experienced and we had our own ideas and thoughts, but, you know, even though uh, Larry, who became my CFO, but was the president of the firm mm-hmm. that we acquired in New York, he, he brought a ton of value. He was 10 years in business longer than I. So I got a lot from him in that advisory role. And even in this depth of experience, I'll say, Larry, even when he disagreed with maybe a way I was going, he would always go, Dale, you're the CEO. So if you decide we're going to go this way, I know it's not the way I feel, but hey, it's your decision. That was all the way up to our exit. You know, he, he, and we were just talking about this the other day, and, and he reminded me uh, of that and kind of like the final decisions of choosing our partners and stuff. And, and, and I guess that's, uh, you know, a big part of it is having that mutual respect of, like you said, those complementary roles and and respecting the others and hold them account and, and letting them be accountable and responsible. Right, right, right. Yeah. And when you had those sort of disagreements on direction and he said, well, you know, you're the CEO, so whatever you decide we're going to go, was he also supportive of the decision after that? Because I feel like that's super important too, because if you just say, if your partner just says, well, you're in charge, I guess we're going to do what you're going to do. Well, they're <laughs> very, you know, they're not, they're not definitely not uh, bought into to that. And that's a problem. Yeah, no. And, and I think because what you're talking about, I came to learn later in my career beyond these partners 
or like that gotcha culture, right? Where it's yeah, like, okay. hey, I told you so, and now you're wrong, and I gotcha. And, and those types of leaders, you know, I, I'm wiser now for it, but I, I, I don't appreciate those folks that you're saying yeah. like, yeah, you're the CEO. I don't agree with you. And then boom, you know, I got you. I told you. And they're all constantly undermining you, right? Like those guys, I mean, uh, keep them away from me. <laughs> right, 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 right. Because there's a certain maturity that comes with being a partner too. You know, you- Sure, yeah. You know, and, and second guessing a, a decision that you uh, didn't make and had no uh, uh, stake in executing, you know, is- is kind of immature, right? Just, so maturity is a big thing too, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, I love that, and because it, it's the part about the stake in executing, right? It's easy to be that backseat driver and say you should be doing this, you should be doing that, but mm -hmm. it, but the ease is because you're not accountable for the results, right? You know, yeah. and I, I just know that for the years, twenty years of being CEO, that there was always that, but but early on, I, I was, I had grown strength to point that out say hey it's easy for you to say that we should do that but if that doesn't work it's going to fall on me you know yeah. but I, I would say as a leader that also goes both ways if, if you're the leader and you're working on a subordinate and this is where i would also catch myself in micromanagement and say hey who am i to tell a direct report what to do as an opposing idea and then it not work out because I, you know what I mean? I think that goes both ways from receiving counsel and giving counsel, yeah. um, you know? Yeah. Good point. Yeah. For a really good point. And, and as far as leadership's concerned, like how did, how did you evolve, you know, as a, as a leader, you know, starting a business and operating it and growing it? Well, at the beginning, I think I had what it took, Dale. So I was, um. I was all in, first of all, uh, not just money-wise, but I was just all in. All of me was invested in this business. And I think the same was true for Butch. So I had that. And at the beginning, when it was just the two of us, when it was just the two of us for maybe six months or so, uh, we didn't need much more leadership <laughs> than that. you know. But as people started to come along, I think I was built really well uh, just naturally for uh, startup leadership because I was, I uh, like I said, I was all in. I was very helpful. I was very committed. I I wanted everyone to succeed, and I was there to help them succeed, um, both from a client, cl both from a client standpoint and a team member standpoint. Um, and I think that did uh, that 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 worked for me well for the first five years or so, and then it didn't occur to me that I needed to change. And so I kept doing things the same way. And we were getting, you know, bigger and bigger over time consistently, not huge, but bigger and bigger. And I was still, it, it, the things that used to give me a lot of energy, the way I was leading were starting to grind on me. And I was starting to resent some of them and I was starting to get frustrated by some of them. Like, for instance, you know, I was, I was always there to take care of things. I put everybody else first and that, that's what was needed, I think, and that's what worked for me. But then over time, I started to think, well, why is everybody, why isn't anybody stepping up? Why isn't, why, why do I have to do, you know, all of these things? And I didn't realize that the reason was that I wasn't asking them to. All they were doing was what I, you know, had, had um, shown them was the way. And, you know, who's going to, who's going to just, 
you know, if, if, if they think it's going the way I want it to, who's going to raise their hand and go, Hey, you know, uh, maybe we should do this different, or I should be able to do this for you or whatever. You kind of have to ask people to do that. Most people in order for them to go, Oh, sure. Yeah, I'll do it. So, um, so when Butch, so about 10 years into the business, Butch passed away in a, in a fire, uh, that happened at one of our plants where he was badly burned. And then a couple of days later he, he died. And I, that was really, a, a a bad spot for me, but, but in addition to his death and, and, and some of the other things that had happened along the way and this way that I was thinking I should lead it kind of all just, you know, fell on me. And, and I just fell into this place I call the Valley of Uncertainty. I just sort of fell off a cliff down it. And, and it was clear, I didn't realize it at the time, but, but looking back on it now, it was clear that my leadership, the way I was conducting myself, the way I was, the way I thought I was doing what needed to be done for the business was, was not right. It wasn't right for me. wasn't right for you know, our team members wasn't right for, wasn't right for the business at all. I was still treating the business like it was an infant, like it needed me for, for everything. And it didn't need that, but I, that's how that had worked for me, you know? So I just wanted to keep doing it. Um, so that, um, I, I began to evolve as a, as a different kind of leader after I figured out a way to get out of that valley. Um, that's how I was. That's how I was for, for a long time. There's a, another great book. Have you ever heard of, uh, Michael Gerber's the E-Myth? Uh, I believe I have it behind me. Yes. Oh, do you really? um, <laughs> that's a great, but are you, are you, so if you're familiar with it, um, yeah, I believe Baker, it was his yeah. book that, uh, yeah, the Baker story and all that. I great. think it was his book was the concept of the founder's cap. Are you saying that it was the founder's cap for you? Like you were trying to do everything, but the business was kind of capped on the fact that you're trying to do everything now and you're it's still limited by the capacity of your two hands. Exactly. You know, I, I, so I was a, uh, Oh, we got this problem or this situation going on. I just got to work harder. I just got to work more. I can figure this out. You know, I just got to nose to the grindstone, man. Just do it, do it, do it. And, um, I love that book. I re- I don't know exactly when I read that book, but I think it was in this Valley time. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, that book's about putting system and process into your business essentially so that you don't have to be in it all the time because you can't be in it all the time and grow the business. Right. I was just like the baker, just, just like the baker. The, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot, just a lot of powerful. And, and I guess the other thing, cause we're on the entrepreneurial, uh, story a bit, like the, the other valuable lesson out of that book. And I encourage anyone who's thinking about getting into business, but you know how we start businesses because we're like that technician, right? It's like, oh, I could do this better than yeah. my boss or, or he's making all the money and it's all my work or whatever. But the other big lesson I remember, cause I, I, I don't remember when I wrote this book, but it's been a long time ago. And, but the other thing I really appreciated out of it was, that um, once you decide to start a business, that that tradesman role or, or technical role, whatever you're going to go do, almost becomes secondary because the minute you start a business, you're primarily a business owner, now and, and secondarily maybe the technician, right? And, and because yeah. I see this today, where a lot of folks just want to build a widget, swing that hammer, whatever the trade is, and 
they make the business ownership kind of secondary. They almost avoid it because they don't know it's the they don't know enough about it and and whatever. Um, so I, it's a really great book. It's got a lot of I think I think tried and true lessons in entrepreneurship. I I, I agree with you, and I'll share a story. It's about two and a half years ago, we built a house, and if you want to if you want to see the e myth in action every day, just you know deal with. Have an, have an experience dealing with, uh, you know, the various trades in construction. These are very talented people generally, but they almost all of them started the business exactly for the exact reason you just said, right? The boss is making all the money. I'm doing all the work. Why don't I just start my own business? And they do it and <clears throat> they still do good work and everything else just goes to shit. Like communication, <laughs> total shit. Like yep. uh, coming up on time total crap, you know, just doing what I, you know, saying what I do, you know, doing what I said I would do, not always, you know, and just all of, because, because they have, they are dealing with the complexity that comes with owning a business and it gets in the way of their technician ability, right? But they just keep going like that because they figure, well, you know, and ultimately they, so they create a job for themselves and they call themselves boss. Um, which is great. I just wish they would take it the next step yeah. and just read that book or, you know, look at someone who's built a big business and say, well, geez, I could, that's what I should be focused on. Not, you know, how many hours can I bill on the job today? And then hopefully they, I don't make anybody, every, my other customers so mad because I told them I would come and I don't show up for call. Yeah. Hey guys, Dale here, and I wanted to take a quick break to invite you to join the launch of the Lions Guide community called The Pride. You see, whether it was at work dealing with the demands of the day or maintaining the demands of my life at home, I always seemed to feel like my struggles were unique, like somehow I was the only one struggling to find joy amidst all the weight that I felt I was carrying each day. And you know what I've come to realize is that we all have our struggles that we're up against, and it's pretty demanding. The only way to rise to those demands is to decide and make the change to adopt a growth mindset, to be what I call a high performer. And that's why I started Lions Guide. I want to help you break through to the next level of you and your ability to not only meet, but exceed those demands on you. And in doing so, find your joy again. If you're a growth-minded individual ready to make a change, then I'm here for you. And this is how you get started. I invite you to visit lionsguide.com and sign up to join the Pride. The Pride is the Lions Guide community for growth-minded members like you. Once signed up, you'll get special access to all the free content and resources I'm putting out there. You'll also be invited to join my live online events where I host sessions on personal growth and high performance. You'll also be able to engage with other growth-minded members on our private online group. Also, if you enjoy the podcast as a member, you'll get access not only to all the podcasts, but also the podcasts that have been yet to be released. So get access to all this and more. So break out of that rut, break into your next level, and join me on lionsguide.com, and let's grow together. Go to lionsguide.com and become a member of the Pride today. Now back to the show. Yeah, I'm in that same space. Um, I've done a lot of construction renovation stuff uh, for the last 10 years in my hometown, and there's that. And every time I meet one that goes, yeah, I'm going out on my own or whatever, I go, do you, you, do you want to have a great business one day? Because you can kind of ask questions on why mm-hmm. they want to start their business. And I said, man, if I could, can I give you some advice? Yes, definitely. Like communicate, over communicate, just communicate. And the more you communicate and, and 
get organized, the better. Like, and I, I kind of go and I do, I go, Hey, go read the e-myth. Cause it's talking about you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, <laughs> I'm smiling when you were saying, yeah. when you said I build a house and just, just start working with the tradesmen. I was like, Oh, I know where this is going. But because yeah, I live it, man. And I try to tell these guys, you got to, I, I, I give them a little two minute drill, that very lesson. Like, hmm. Hey, I know you're a carpenter, but you're a business owner now, and that's got to come first. And and a lot of them think um, back to the founders cap stuff that they're the only ones that can do it. You know, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm the only one sure. that can do it right. Like that's such a lie that you got to grow out of. <laughs> you know, that it's just a lie you're telling yourself, man. Like there's um there's yeah. a control element there. There's a there's a fear element that it's not going to be right, and you're going to have to go do it again anyway. There's there's just a lot of uh, untruths in that 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 thought that you got to really break through. And it. it- there's, so as you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, okay, yeah. So you're telling me basically that you want to stay exactly where you are right now because you're not willing to invest any of your time or any of your energy into someone else. Because of course, it's going to take time to train somebody. The, the, the payoff comes after they're trained, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you invest a little in someone now and you reap a lot later. Or you invest nothing in anyone now and you reap nothing later. Yeah. You know, and, and hopefully you stay healthy. And you don't get hurt and you don't do all these other things that, that takes you out of the workforce for a period of time. See, there's just no, this just like your thing is right. Read the book, read the emeth, <laughs> read the emeth before you swing a hammer. Read the E-Myth. Yeah, true. Before you, right? before you quit your job. Right. For sure. Yeah. For sure. The, um, so when, talk to me about like, and I guess another aspect of, of starting your own business is. Um, did you have an exit plan? Like, so, so you had the one company, what the exit came about, how'd the exit come about? Did you have an exit plan? So when I first started the business, I thought to myself, this was not in the business plan, but I thought to myself, cause I was very cocky, I guess after Butch gave me that confidence, I sort of multiplied it in my head. I thought, well, we could probably, you know, in five years, make this a $50 million business and sell it. Well, reality hit me in the face on, on that one. And I talk about that in, in the beginning of my book, you know, these stories about these entrepreneurs who, who, um, you know, they lock themselves in a room and they're, they're coding and they're drinking Red Bull and pizza. And like a couple years later, they're, you know, selling for a billion dollars. Well, um, those stories get a lot of attention and I think they may happen, but there's so rare, so exceptionally rare that if you think that's going to be you, um, yeah, it's not. It's not going to be you. I've, I've heard um, guys call that uh, entrepreneur porn, right? Yeah, like- yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had that thought in my head. It never made it into the business plan, and thankfully, uh, and and it never became reality either. <clears throat> so five years in, we were probably maybe a $5 million company. So I was 10 X short on that. Um, but, um, but we had looked at, so along the way in, uh, 2008 or so, um, we had looked at, uh, at, uh, at a private equity transaction to bring new capital into the business and, and take, um, particularly for my older partners to take some money, um, out of the business. And, when I looked at that, and I was the one who initiated that because I was interested in it. I thought it might be a good way for us to, you know, be less capital constrained because we never had outside investment besides our the shareholders. We were just bank funded, and I thought, wow, maybe it'd be cool to have outside funding. And 
all these things. And we went through the, you know, all these pitches and management presentations and had an investment banker. And I'm, ultimately, Dale, the deal was I said, you know, I wanna, I wanna, I'm all in on this. I wanna roll over everything and I wanna. And then when the proposals came back, I was like, wait a second, dummy. What do you so now you're gonna take on a partner you don't know. And they're going to come in and, they, you know, maybe you still have majority control, barely. And as soon as you need another tranche of money, that's going to go away because that's the way these things work. Unless you can put in your pro rata share, which I wouldn't be able to do because I didn't take anything, you know. Right. So, um, so I scrapped that idea after. And fortunately, my partners were okay with it because they could have said, no, we, you know, we think we should do this. And. And then fast forward, um, you know, another uh, like eight years, and I ended up having the opportunity to, to buy out my older partners, which I did with with bank debt, uh, and a note to them. Um, and then, and I was like, "Well, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent owner of this business. I've never been a hundred percent owner of this business. It felt amazing, and and I was very happy with it, except that I couldn't." grow the business. I couldn't make any acquisitions. I couldn't do a lot of investment in equipment because, you know, really almost all of our free cash flow was going towards paying off the the the, uh, the loans. Yeah. Um and then uh unexpectedly to answer your question, uh this this group approached approached me about buying the business and I hadn't been looking at that at all. And I wasn't interested when they first came and talked to me. But then I thought to myself, well, I am constrained this way. Um, the company wanted to you know, buy our company and make it a platform for a new division that they were starting. So I thought, wow, great opportunity for the people on our team. Certainly more opportunity, I thought, than if they just sort of stuck with me and waited for me to, you know, pay this debt off and and get back to growing the business in a meaningful way, and um, and 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 it, it it was an opportune time because we didn't have any, you know, we didn't have any prob big problems like no nobody was suing us. We didn't, you know, we didn't have any public relations issues. We were just in a good spot, you know? and so um, I went back. Talk to talk to um, my wife and and um, and basically, you know, put together what I thought would be, you know, what we would need in order to do this. Uh, and I knew I could validate that, or I thought I could. And um, and they they said okay, and that's 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 what happened. Um, now I made and mistakes doing that. We is can this get 2008? into that. No, I'm sorry. This is about eight years after that. So. Uh, not quite eight years after. So this is a 2014. So this is back. Um, this, so this is getting six to that years 2015 ago. exit yeah, time frame. That's, okay. that's correct. Yeah. So I. So so from that first time, you know, where where we we looked at the private equity infusion, we just scrapped all that, stayed with the bank, and just you know continued to grow grow the business. And that that is a question I have for you. What did you learn? Right. What what did you learn through that process of exiting or selling and and that that you know you were saying you were saying yeah well um i don't regret it so i'm i'm i see too many i see so many entrepreneurs you know they go they get to a point and they decide they're going to sell their business and they're unhappy 
with either the way the new company is running the business or they're unhappy with the way the negotiations went or they're unhappy about something. And I, and maybe there's reasons for that. I'm, I'm not judging, you know, how they feel, but I, I made a decision that once I decided to sell the business, if they, once they paid me for the business, the business was theirs. And my only job after that was to help them achieve their goals because their goals are probably going to be different, um, you know, than mine. But, and I had a good, I had a good process with the company that, that bought us. Um, but I think one of the mistakes that I made, and this gets back to what I was talking about, how I led the business early and I didn't, I didn't learn this mistake was that, uh, I didn't learn from this mistake, but I, when we went through the private equity process in 2008 with the investment bank, I was, you know, that was an education for me. And when this came along, I thought, well, I can do that. I can do what that investment banker did. I can handle these negotiations by myself, you know, with my attorney or whatever. And, um, and I think I did okay, Dale, but I, but now I would never do that. I would never, ever do that. I would always have a professional, um, help, uh, negotiate, uh, a transaction or an exit or whatever you want to call it, because you're at a disadvantage. I was at a disadvantage. I thought I was at, I thought I was on level, but I was at a disadvantage. And, you know, I think I, I, I think I would have had a, a better financial outcome had I done that, but I'm not, I'm, I am happy with it. I have no regrets about it, but now, you know, knowing what I know now, especially I definitely would, would, uh, I would really recommend to people that, you know, if you have a good business and an opportunity to sell comes along, you get, you get the right advice and not your, God, please, not your, not the attorney who did your will and not, you know, the accountant who does your taxes, but people who do M&A work, legal people and accounting people who do M&A work. That's what you need in addition to an advisor, an investment banker or some other type of advisor who does M and A, who sells and buys it, buys and sells companies. It, was that the disadvantage you feel was that you just weren't experienced enough to deal with these guys who who were basically? So you, yeah, I think I. So I, I mean, ultimately, I think I tipped my hand a little bit near the end, and that didn't the, the and and that that tipping of the hand, you know, resulted in a price reduction that I should have seen. Like I should have seen that coming. And if I had an intermediary and I talked to that intermediary, investment bank or whatever, about this tip of the hand, we would have told a different story. Um, not a not not we just would have told the story differently. And 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 my advisor would have done a better job than I did negotiating our way through that reduction. Either we wouldn't have had a reduction at all. Or it definitely, I feel it definitely would have been less. Yeah. I, I, and I know this is a funny story for our exit of Corsica. We had gotten an unsolicited offer. And again, so I, I like talking to you and, and reading your story because I can, I, I, I enjoy it. And, um, but I remember we got an unsolicited offer that we were going to take um, from a company that was a platform company. And we were talking to a lawyer because you're right, like, like you got it. You need to work with people 
in this area because it's different. There's different types of accountants, different types of lawyers. Yeah, you got to know that. So the guy doing your taxes is not your advisor on an M and A deal. Like you said, I, I agree with that, and that's that's solid advice. Um, but we were we didn't know that, and we're working with the lawyer. We did go get a lawyer to help us look at this offer, and the lawyer goes, "Well, who's who's your broker?" And me and the CFO or uh, Larry, who was the president of the company that we acquired, now CFO, we're like, "What's a broker?" Because <laughs> we had no idea. Like that's how naive we were because we weren't looking to sell. <laughs> yeah. This was this just kind of came on us, and uh, and we did. We, and he goes, "Hey," and the lawyer thankfully stopped us and said, "Hey guys, time out. Why don't you go talk?" And he introduces to a guy, and, and and I think to affirm what you say, it did wonders for us. It took us to a whole new level because here we were about to take a deal not looking at any other deals or, or anything. And the first lesson he told us is good because we were, because we wanted to validate the deal at that point. And, and he said, uh, well, we only know this is a good deal. Only way we know if this is a good deal or not is if you go seek other deals, like put it, go to market. And we did, right. we went to market and, and the rest was history. Um, so yeah, you definitely need some good, good advisors. That's, um, that's money well spent. You know, you'll get it back in spades. Yeah. And, and even if, even if you decide, well, I don't want to do a broad market on my company. I don't want people to know we're for sale or any of that stuff. Um, the advisor still knows who the buyers are. He, they know what the price ranges are. They know how to have the conversation and they can bring in a small pool of people if that's all you're interested in, but they will be the right people. They won't be the wrong people. Right. Yeah. No. And, and I think it's great. And I think you're very fortunate to have had some exposure to that the first time to, to be more clear on what you, what you wanted. And so what, right. so when, so this was your first, did you end up starting another business after that? Yeah. Yeah. Started another one, similar type business, so similar type waste business. But, uh, but this time I, instead of bootstrapping, I started with a private equity partner at the beginning. Um, so I was, um, the operating partner and I was, um, able to put the put a number of companies together to to form our platform, and then uh, with the support of of um, of the private equity firm for the for the capital, um, so it was a great way for me, having been through what I had been through and with my experience to leverage the experience that I had both uh, on the acquisition um, side and on on running you know this kind of a business. Without me having to, uh, you know, put all of my resources into it, or a good chunk of my resources into it, or do you know all the day to day stuff that comes with being the the president or CEO of a company? So I was able to um, attract a management team, and I was able to operate sort of as a, a chairman and an advisor. Mm. Um, so it was a really good uh, use of of. You know, complementary use of skill sets and and resources, Dale, to to put this one together. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. So, so because I, I was curious about that. So, you didn't go start anew. You came in with PE Group and helped. Did, did was it the building of a new company, or did you guys do some acquisitions and kind of bring some things together? Yeah, so we bought uh, three companies in in a short period of time, and we put them together to form the platform for this new company. Right. So, yeah. And then we, you know, and then we put systems in it and we built out certain uh, capabilities and some of the things that I thought we needed to do in order to, to grow and, and uh, differentiate and, and all of those things. And, and uh, yeah, so it, it, that's how we did it. Yep. 
Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. So, so you exited out of that after what was it three years, and now right. is that where the podcast came about? Oh no, I started the podcast uh, around the same time that I was starting that adventure. Actually, is that right? Yeah, um, yeah. So 2018 or so. Uh, so I, I, uh, the podcast has just been. Oh, actually, after I sold my first business, I was looking for something creative to do because I, I did like, I did like writing, and I thought. Uh, you know, I started a blog at that time and I was writing and I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. And this, it was a good, good way to, for me to express some creativity. But after a while, it, well, actually during that time, I started listening to podcasts, which I hadn't ever done before. So 2000, like I said, 18 or so. Um, and it occurred to me that, you know, all this, I like, I would work so hard to write a blog post, for example, and really nobody would read it. It was just, it, you know, it was deflating, a little deflating. Um, but this podcasting thing, I thought, oh, it's like right up my alley because I'm, if you know, I, I, I'm one of those guys that knows a lot. I know a little about a lot of stuff. So I can, you know, I can swim in water with a lot of people, even if, you know, we're very, very different of how, how we, you know, our business or how we grew up or whatever. Um, and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm a pr- I'm a pretty good listener and question asker, so I thought, well, why not give that a try? Because the people I was listening to, I really liked it, but I also thought oh, I could do that. Um, <laughs> back back to Emeth. Yeah, it's like the plumber, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I started podcasting, and um, and I did that. I've done that, of course, c- uh, continually since that time, and, and I love and so- it. So, so who's it for, and and what are you solving for in your podcast? Well, so my so so the short story is I'm trying to share stories of success. I want to dig deep into those stories. I want to unlock the clues that inspire and activate greatness in the people who are listening. And so that means that whether you are already a high performer and you just are always looking to get a little bit better from people that you respect. Uh, the podcast is for you. If you're, um, you know, uh, the, the kind of person like, uh, the plumber, for example, who is thinks that, you know, there could be an entrepreneur inside of them, but there's something, um, you know, in the way of that, whether it's confidence or money or whatever you listen to the stories that, that I am honored to share. And you'll see that so many of the people that you look at today and you say are successful were just like you at one point. So listen to what they have to say because there's nothing there's nothing innately special about them. They weren't gifted with success. They've um they figured out how to get it. And that's what I want to share with with people. I want to I want to I want to get that greatness quotient up in people. I want them to know that they can do more than they think they can. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. And, and how about the book? What, what? Who, who's, who's the book for? Well, it's funny because I wrote the book uh, "Ownership: How Getting Selfish Got Me Unstuck." I wrote the book, um, it, really for f- first and foremost, the idea was I just got to get this personal journey that I've had kind of out there, right? So that's kind of what I started with. But then, of course, who cares about that, right? Um, 
I had to figure out a way, and ultimately I think I think I did, to figure out a way to sort of use my stories, the journey, you know, the, the, the stories of my journey, but not to tell you like, here's what I did and here's how what you should do, but really to use those stories to resonate a point. And all of our, since all of our stories are different, I could never, you know, have the same story as someone who's reading it. But what I can have is a story that resonates with an experience in their life. Like you had mentioned to me, you know, when you were first reading it, it sort of spoke to you. Uh, you know, the exact story, of course, didn't speak to you, but the, the, it, the, 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 the lesson of the story or the purpose of the story resonated. And I'm trying to, my goal is to get um, entrepreneurs to go big. I want entrepreneurs to go big, meaning as I feel like their responsibility is, um, well, you, you know, if you're going to go down that road, you got to, you got to think about it as going big, not, not like the, you know, we keep using the plumber, but not like the plumber who's just starting a job for themselves and calling themselves an entrepreneur, a business owner. That's not, that's not what I believe entrepreneurism to be. I want people to go big and and when you go big, or whether you go small or whether you go big, you are going to have you know a lot of challenges along the way, and you're going to get to a point, most everyone, where you feel stuck. And like I did in this valley of uncertainty that I described, and when you feel stuck, um, I don't want you to revert back to, you know, oh, I should go smaller, there'll be less problems, or maybe I should quit because I can't do it, or you know, all of these this head trash that you get going on inside of you. Um, I want to encourage you to, one, that's normal. Don't worry. Two, where you are is where you designed yourself to be. So you have the skill set to design yourself to be somewhere. And if it's a spot that you don't like right now, then the good news is you have the ability to design a future that you actually want and then start working towards it. And I think a lot of people give up on that, Dale, because they think, oh my gosh, it's just everything that happened to me just happened accidentally and I had no control over it. And here I am and whose fault is it and all this stuff. And I want them to look inside and say, I'm here because this is what I asked for, right? I may not have explicitly asked for certain things, but I asked for this because if I hadn't designed it this way, I wouldn't have gotten here. So I asked for that. Now, what, what do I need to ask for to go forward? So I want, I want to help entrepreneurs go, go big and, and get unstuck and continue to make breakthroughs and make their company and themselves as big as they are capable of being. Yeah. I, I love it because it's, it's just, you're in, you're fighting a good fight, right? You're getting out there and letting these folks know because you, you nailed it, right? We get in our heads and we think we're the problem and everyone else is better than us. And you know, you're going exactly through, you're going through exactly what many before you have gone through and know that, like you said, they've got nothing special over you. You can do it too. You just got to right. find your way and navigate it. And what do you, what do you think, um, you know, having been through a couple of businesses, obviously, you know, the business that you started and then coming on to, uh, uh, to build a platform company after, but what do you think, like what habits contribute most to, to your success? Well, um, I'm a big habit person. So I'm, I'm, thank you for asking that question. So number one habit for me, and this is part of the, the, the getting selfish thing is knowing what I want. Mm -hmm. So knowing what I want, knowing the, the, the property, the future property that I want to own, if you think about it that way is, is a great habit because if I know that, then I can always, every day I can wake up thinking, okay, I got to, this is where I'm going. 
and I know why I want to get there. And these are the things that have to happen. So it gets me started the right way. It also makes it tremendously easy to communicate with other people and share the vision with other people um, because I know where I want to be and I can communicate that to them. And hopefully they want to help me get there and not just for me, but, but by helping me get there, it's good for them, right? Everybody wants a future that's better than their past. And uh, so that's number one habit. Number two habit is, um, and maybe this is cliche or whatever, but I don't, you know, I, I don't stop, right? So I, I run into obstacles just like everybody else and I get down just like everybody else. And, but I know where I'm going. I always start out and always get back to focusing on what needs to be done in order to get there. So that's a, that's another habit. Number three is I I take care of myself. You know, I still have some vices like like everybody, but I take care of myself because uh, if I'm not my best, how can I expect anybody around me to be at their best? So those are three those are three habits that uh, that I prescribe to. Awesome. Yeah. What a, I mean, as far as that's concerned, because you and I, I know we haven't talked probably enough about it in, in this podcast, but it, the, to me anyway, that would you agree? Like the life of an entrepreneur is the life of a high performer because you've got to, you've got to show up every day, even to your habit number two, like don't stop. Like, Right. The calling to be a high performer. And how do you like keep the energy up? Like, you know, it requires a lot of energy of us. We've got to get after it all day. And we've got the competitive, whether you've got a hard job or not. Now you've got the weight of the responsibility of the ownership, the business, right? You take it home with you. How, how do you keep the energy up? How do you recharge? Well, one way, I, one way that I keep the energy up is I try not to be around anybody that willingly or willfully takes energy from me. Mm. Now, life and circumstances and things that I can't control can take energy from me. But man, I don't need to be around somebody that takes more of it just because that's who they are. So protecting my energy is, it's like super key. Um, so having a focus on where I want to go helps me. Actually taking steps towards it every day, right? Helps me because even if I don't get where I wanted to get, you know, it's easy. You know, I could say, well, geez, I, I, you know, I'm so bummed I didn't get where I wanted to get. Or I could say, hey, I didn't get where I wanted to get, but you know what? I got further. And then, so that makes me closer tomorrow to getting where I want to be. And then finally, I just do things that, you know, whether it's, whether it's, um, you know, exercise or reading or whatever I think preserves or en enhances my energy, I try to do those things because being an entrepreneur is like being like, I, I think of it sometimes like being, um, you know, like when you go to Mount Rushmore and you see those beautiful, you know, carvings of the presidents that took many, many years to, to do and all. What they never show you, and you see this when you go there, but there's below is all the rock that they chipped away from these. It's all laying there at the bottom. And I think to myself, that's what being an entrepreneur is like, right? The whole world sometimes feels like it's against you and it's chipping away at you to see who you really are. And sometimes we need people around us who take those rocks and glue them back on us, right? Because I can't afford to lose all that. Um, so I don't know if that's a perfect image or not, but I think about that, right? You, an entrepreneur, 
you're going, you, you, you need to be around people who are refreshing your confidence all the time. Uh, not kissing your butt and not doing those types of things, but re- refreshing uh, your confidence all the time because confidence gives you energy and, you know, you're off to the races. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 and I, I really respect it. Even your, your mention of Butch and how he, he gave that to you because it, it they're like the yeah. wind in your sails, right? To have that support group behind you, just again, putting that wind in your sails, you need it. You, you know, it's, it's, it, it helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's, it's, it, it's great to have. I was, I said, you need it and, and it's great to have, maybe you don't need it or not, but man, you know, it's, it really propels you, you know, helps, helps you on well, those, uh, valiance of uncertainty days. Right. You know, when you yeah, got someone for, in your corner going, Hey, you've got this, I, I trust that you're going to figure this out. You know, right. So. And I, th- and the only people I think who don't need it, Dale, are people who don't get enough of it. Because once you get someone, you know, boosting your confidence regularly, it feels great. I mean, there's not a better feeling in the world than someone that does that for you. What a gift, you know? Now, could you do it without it? Maybe. Sure. Okay. Say you can. You're not going to be happy doing it like you would, you know, (laughs) if somebody validated it with a little confidence boost. Yeah, 100%. So, of all you've uh, done, what what are you most proud of so far? Well, I think the the thing I'm most proud of is that I'm, you know, I'm still married to the woman I met in college Mm -hmm. and fell in love with and 31 years later, we're still married. We have two kids who still uh, seem to, you know, at least halfway enjoy our company. They'll pick up the phone <laughs> if if I call. Um, so I, 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 you know, I feel like, and that's not in that's that's just, my wife. You know, it, it has not been easy for her all all along. Um, but you know, like a partner, we were talking about partners earlier. I just got super lucky with a, with a spouse partner because she got it when we, you know, got into this, she was willing to do more than she probably should have had to do. And, um, I was very lucky and we've been, you know, been able to keep it going. Yeah. And that's also, you say 31 years. Yes. Wow, that's awesome! Congratulations. The uh, thank you. Now you're right. I think having having a the rock of a wife that that supports you like that. I mean, it's that's another big thing. I think in entrepreneur, uh, being an entrepreneur, or starting a business is the importance and under of understanding of your partner needing to be supportive, right? Because you've seen that too. I'm sure where you've got someone that's trying to do what it takes to get a business going because it takes a lot of you. It takes a lot of work and you you do need that, that supportive partner at home as well in a big way. I mean, it, we were talking about like someone giving you yeah, uh, and, uh, confidence and yeah. putting that wind in your sails, man. Uh, if you've got a partner or like you said, those energy takers in your life, maybe it's not your spouse, but it's someone else just kind of always challenging. Why are you doing this? Why are you working so hard? You're never giving me time. Like, that's the complete opposite, mm-hmm. you know. I try to back to that people thing. I try to I, I, I try to surround myself with people and only be around people who I call uh, are winding up in life, not winding down in life. So I want people who are just as enthused about whatever they're doing as I am about what I'm doing because there's magic there. You know, we can yeah. we can feed off one another, we can help one another, and we can we can give each other confidence and energy too. Absolutely. They speak the same Absolutely. language. Yeah. 
So what's what's next for you? So what's uh, what are you working on now? What's got you excited? Uh, well, um, my so I've done a lot of uh, I've done a lot I've done a lot of startup and other um, investing, uh, particularly after since I sold my um, my first business, Dale. And so my my mission now really is to I want to you know I want to build a community that I have had some impact on. That's a thousand entrepreneurs who have businesses that have at least $20 million of value. And then I want those thousand entrepreneurs to help 10 others each do the same thing. And I think to myself, if I can come anywhere close to achieving that goal, the impact on entrepreneurs, the impact on, uh, you know, the people who join their teams and the impact on, you know, the world will be, amazing and i don't know what else i could be doing that would um have as big of an impact as as that uh would have so i'm i'm committed to figuring out how to how to make that happen i'm on the road i'm nowhere close to um to a thousand yet but uh that's the road i'm that's the road i'm on and that's the road that uh that i hope to be on for a long time that's also, and what better time than now to do that, right? I mean, you started in, what'd you say, 92? I yeah. mean, and we talked about the banks. You only, you, we did, that's pre-internet, right? Like, oh, I mean, yeah. You're, <laughs> in, in this day and age, you know, I think that's why we're seeing so much, what seemingly seems like so much entrepreneurialism is um, the accessibility to do so much that, that you know, it's, it's so accessible now to yeah. start up and get going and just... You just got to put in the work, you know? Yeah. I mean, imagine, uh, ki- you know, Kickstarter or some of these other crowdf- crowdfunding platforms. Um, like in 1992, if you said, if you took an ad out in the newspaper and you said, hey, I'm starting a business, here's what it's going to be. I'll sell you, I'll pre-sell you something if you send me money today. Yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't, you know, but now people are like, oh, isn't that cool? Uh, Dale's starting this thing. He's got a Kickstarter campaign. I'll throw 10 bucks into that for, like, people are just willing to give money for, in a way that I have never seen them be willing to give money, which is fantastic, as you said, for entrepreneurs, fantastic. Democratization yeah, I mean, of funding. Yeah. 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 And, and like I said, even, even just... Everything, the information age, the ability to communicate. You mentioned podcasts, like... I really feel we're like we're yes we're in an information age, but we're also in a knowledge age that, that like learning the lessons that you learn, like the, your platform and and what you're doing there, right? How right. how enabling that is, you know. And again, more so than ever in a time in our history to have such a you know a not like say a, a source of knowledge at our fingertips almost for for free, you know. Um, it's it's yeah. it's awesome. It's I mean it's it's pretty amazing to be alive. Who yeah. knew the microchip would do so much? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, no, well, uh, you know, as we wrap up here, how can uh, people find you, find the book, connect with you online? Sure. Well, um, my podcast is How'd It Happen? You can find that, and that's H-O-W apostrophe D, It Happened. You can find that on all the on all the platforms. Um, check it out. Take a listen. Let me know what you think. Um, my book is available on Amazon. It's called Owner Shift, uh, How Getting Selfish Got Me Unstuck. My website is mikemalatesta.com. That's M-A-L-A-T 
T-E-S-T-A.com. And I'm active on LinkedIn. If you want to connect with me there or follow me there, feel free to do that. Awesome. Yeah, Mike. No, it's been an honor to have you on. I'm, I'm excited to continue the conversation. And, and definitely, like I told you, like if one of the books like started on a Saturday when you got time, because you're not going to want to put it down. That was my, my problem. <laughs> I was like, man, I got to get, I got stuff to do. Damn it. And I got to put this. So uh, great job on that, man. I'm excited to Thank get, you. Through, get through it Thank and, you. and learn Thank more you. about your story. But, uh, but yeah, Mike, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you sharing your story and experience with us. A lot of great stuff. Uh, and, and thank you very much. My pleasure. Been great getting to know you. Thanks for having me on your show now. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike.